Hello, and welcome to the first episode of What's That Supposed to Mean? I'm Noah. And I'm Danny. And this is a Victorious Rewatch podcast. By two people who just really love Victorious. Yeah, I think we cannot stress enough how much we, we love the show. Why do you love Victorious, Danny? I've been watching it since it came out, basically. It was just a cool show because it was just kids being really... I don't know, cool. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I had a very similar experience. I started watching it when I was maybe like 15 and it was on, I don't know if it was, I think it was airing at the time and it was just, you're right. The kids were just so cool. It was like the perfect mixture of like, it wasn't too adult where it was stuff that you didn't quite get. Like you understood everything that was happening, but it was still, everyone was like cool. It was people who you wanted to be. And I was obsessed with them and they were all like very hot and yeah. I, I think for me personally, there was something so appealing about the notion of this performing arts high school. Yeah. Because I was a kid in a regular high school who did music and did acting and seeing this kind of like fairy tale Hogwarts for creative kids. Yeah. Which is very much this fantasy they wanted to sell. It really spoke to me. And then ended up in some ways sort of becoming my life. Obviously, college is a bit different, but I went to a music college. Hmm. And there's a lot of stuff about Hollywood arts that m mirrors the music school experience very accurately. So especially now watching, re-watching it as many times as I have as an adult, it's, I don't know, it's, it's continued to fascinate me the way that that intersection of education and art and entertainment is portrayed. Yeah. So, okay, so for people... I, I assume that most of you that are listening to this podcast know what Victorious is, but in case you don't, it is a TV show that was on Nickelodeon from like 2010 to I believe like 2014. It ran for four seasons and it was created by Dan Schneider. The infamous um, Dan Schneider. The infamous Dan Schneider. And I just want to start off by saying that we don't like that man on this podcast. <laughs> we personally don't like that man. I don't believe that there's anyone that does. He, if you want to go on the internet and read about the kind of stuff that he did, or I would actually highly suggest reading Jeanette McCurdy's memoir, I'm Glad My Mom Died, because she has talked about her experiences with him. Alexa Nicholas has also talked about her experiences, and a lot of people that were on Nickelodeon talked about their experiences with him and just the kind of stuff that the stories that they have, I would highly suggest looking that up. So we don't like that man, but he did create the show. This is his fifth show. Before that, he did The Amanda Show, Drake and Josh, Zoe 101, Zoe 101 iCarly, and now Victorious, Victorious was his fifth shit, show yeah. that he made. And then I only think he made one more after that, which was Henry Danger. But Nickelodeon did officially cut ties with him in 2018, so Dan Schneider is not a part of Nickelodeon anymore. Anyway, though, Victorious is a TV show about a bunch of kids who go to a performing arts high school called Hollywood Arts, and they're all this, like, eccentric and funny, and they all are very talented. It's also, I feel compelled to mention, the elephant in the room, the, the beautiful red-headed angel-voiced elephant in the room, which is that this is where Ariana Grande got her start. For that and a number of reasons, this show has continued to fascinate us and honestly many people, even since it finished airing. And we, this is our show where we're going to dive into the episodes, some of the plot points, some of the themes, some of the weirdness and some of the uh, real-world implications of the monolith of Nickelodeon television that is... <laughs> Victorious. Yep. All right. Should we should we jump into it? Yeah, let's let's dive into the pilot. Hell yeah. What's that supposed to mean? 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 
So should we get into it? Yeah. I'm pulling up my notes. So the pilot episode aired on March 27th, 2010. It was the same day as the Kids' Choice Awards, and it was aired as like a preview of the show. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure if it was they aired the full episode during the Kids' Choice Awards or if they, if they aired just a preview, but it was definitely like Nickelodeon synergy to be like, hey, you like all these stars? Watch this show about an up-and-coming star who you may recognize from some of our other Nickelodeon IPs. Yeah. Also, Victoria Justice, who is the star of the show, has been on a lot of other Nickelodeon shows. She's been on Zoe 101. She's made guest appearances on iCarly, Naked Brothers Band. Like, she had been on Nickelodeon for, like, a while by this point. She was kind of, like, the princess of Nickelodeon. Yeah. And I think that the way that the show came about was that she told Dan Schneider that she went to a performing arts middle school and he was like, oh, that's really interesting. And then Nickelodeon on the heels of shows like Hannah Montana and High School Musical was like, the kids want singing shows. They want the, Mm -hmm. you know, the shows about singing and becoming a star and becoming an actor or singer or whatever. So we have to give them that. And they basically asked Dan Schneider to make a show that was like that, that was about music, or at least that's what the legend says. So this episode was directed by Steve Hofer, Steve Heffer. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but he's, you know, an, also a Nickelodeon heavyweight, works a lot with Dan Schneider, or I guess worked a lot with Dan Schneider, directing a lot of, he's directed like iCarly, Zoe 101, Drake and Josh, he worked on The Amanda Show, he worked on all that. And it was watched by 5.77 million people. Jesus. Which is, I mean, uh, I'm not a big TV ratings guy, so I don't know where that stacks in the grand pantheon of TV ratings. But it's, you know, 5.77 million people is a lot of people to be watching a show like that. It's not as much as High School Musical 2, though, I'll tell you that much. Oh, man, that was an unprecedented (laughs) level of of television (laughs) ratings. So with some of those Wikipedia facts out of the way... Should we dive into the pilot proper? Yeah. Okay, so we open in the living room of the Vega household, and it it opens to Tori, who has very emo bangs at this I time. I know her bangs in this episode are... I are, totally forgot about her bangs. <laughs> I, I think everyone else did, too. I think, yeah. the, I think the production team, and Victoria Justice included, also did. I, I wrote in my notes that the very first shot of this entire show is of a rotting apple on a tree. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> and I was like, is this a metaphor yeah. for corruption in the music industry? No, oh it's not. God. But that was just, I just, I saw it. I was like, it's very interesting. The very first thing we see on the show is a moldy, fucked up looking apple. Yeah, it's true. So the apple is attached to a tree called a mold tree which is tori and her partner science project for the school that she goes to which is like a boring gross normal person school yeah, for like normal for normal so boring. Like stupid people who can't dance exactly for like stupid normal people um and <laughs> so she's like working on her science project and tori is doing this science project with her partner ian who i don't think we ever see again that was no. when i was watching the episode i was like who is this guy? Who is this guy? I mean, I guess it makes sense. He's like someone who goes to her old school. When she transfers to Hollywood arts, she probably doesn't hang out with him anymore. So anyway, Trina, her sister then comes in and Trina is played by Daniela Monet, who is very beautiful and very talented. Trina comes in and she's obsessed that she got partnered up with someone named... Yeah, Trina's first line of the show is, I am so upset. Yes. She walks in in true sitcom fashion and just goes, I am so upset, which is great. I think it's a great, a great introduction to her character. And what's Tori's first line? Tori, oh yeah, so Tori's first line is, let's see, the bread mold 
furry, mushy. It's a very like, it's a very Nickelodeon sitcom kind of gag mm. of like, here's a gross thing. And yeah. here's like some funny words. Like I feel like Dan Schneider shows especially are like really obsessed with like, I don't know. Yeah, like furry or mushy yeah. or like words like that, words. like funny words. Yeah. That are- he has like very specific ones too, which we'll get into. There's a couple in this episode, but I'll point them out whenever we get to them. So yeah, anyway, then Trina comes in. So she's upset because she got partnered up with someone named Andrew Harris, who's a sophomore, whose name turns out to be Andre, who's played by Leon Thomas, who is so, so, so talented, so incredible. We love Leon Thomas in this household. So she kicks Tori's science fair partner out and says that she needs Tori to help her and Andre rehearse for the showcase, which I take issue with. This is the first thing that I don't quite understand because Tori is a regular high... We don't know that she is crazy talented yet. We just think that she is a regular high school student and, like, no one really knows that she is super talented. So my question is, like, what does she need to help them rehearse with that is, like, in-depth? You know, like, is she just there to give her feedback? What is it? You know, I literally did not think about this, but you're so right. There is no reason. And especially because when Andre walks in, he asks Tori, do you go to Hollywood Arts too? And Trina goes, no, I'm the talented one. She just got strong teeth. Yeah, the strong teeth. (laughs) The strong teeth (laughs) joke. So Trina's, I mean, the whole dynamic between Trina and Tori is very much like Trina thinks she's the talented one and Tori isn't and is often very condescending. So it doesn't make a ton of sense that Trina would be like, help me with this. I mean, Trina is demanding. She's often asking for things from Tori. So maybe it's just a sister thing of like, I need you here for moral support just to kind of like, you know, be there. That's true. But yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it more as the episode progresses. But yeah, the, the, the level to which Tori is beholden to this rehearsal when she literally isn't doing anything yeah. is a little contrived. Like, mm-hmm. it's just so that she can learn the song. Yeah, exactly. And, and end up performing it. But, but yeah, so then she's like, yeah, you have to help. And like, you know, Trina says that Trina got the talent and Tori got the strong teeth. <laughs> uh, and then we cut to the first transition which, if you don't watch the show, the way that they transition between scenes is they, like, show posts or status updates from characters' pages, mainly on this website called The Slap, which we will get to, but it's not there yet, the online webpage for Hollywood Arts, where kids can... It's basically like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram all combined mm-hmm. for kids who go to Hollywood Arts. But... Tori doesn't go to Hollywood Arts yet, so we see what appears to be Twitter. Yes, okay. So I'm glad you... So it looks like it says Twitter. Yeah. But it's cut off on the top of the screen. Yeah. But it... I wrote in my notes, I swear to God it says Twitter, I would bet my life on it. Yeah. Like, it, it is literally Twitter, but they obviously couldn't show... I don't think they could show the word Twitter or didn't want to show the word Twitter, but they're still heavily implying that this is Twitter, which is nonsensical because it's colored like the slap. Like, it's purple and like... No, it's not... It's not... It's like blue. I guess it's like, yeah. It's very blue. It's very different because the slap is like black and like purple and pink. Yeah, I guess it is a little different. And a little bit orange. But yeah, but it's definitely... They're definitely trying to make it Twitter. Like, the masthead for sure says Twitter and it's cut off just enough... So that way Twitter can't actually sue them. But it looks, it doesn't really look much like Twitter, except for that, like, it's like an online forum type of thing. Like, yeah, it functions it doesn't, as Twitter. Yeah, it doesn't actually look like Twitter. Mm-hmm. But there are, on this page, we see some information, which I think is worth pausing on. Mm-hmm. We see Tori Vega. She has 105 followers, 143 following. No, no, no. She is. She has 143 followers and is following 105 people. 
I oh. specifically clocked this. <laughs> oh, okay. I got that wrong. I was about, to, I was I was about like, to say that's a terrible ratio. I was but... like, why does she have more followers, though, at the same time? That is anyway. true. Anyway. <laughs> and then there's a list of trending topics. Mm-hmm. Did you also write these down? Yes, I did. <laughs> so one of the trending topics is the slap, which I don't know why that would be trending. If <laughs> On, it's Like, yeah, I don't is know. Is it like, a, why is it trending worldwide if it's like <laughs> a website that's for kids that go to Hollywood Arts? That makes no sense. It, yeah, no, it's just, I and mean, it, there's no <laughs> logic to this. Yeah. It is literally just a place for probably Dan Schneider and the production crew to leave little inside jokes. Exactly. And I tried to get some context on most of them. I mean, some of them are self-explanatory, but uh-huh. some of them are probably inside jokes, and I could not for the yeah. life of me figure out what there the, what are. There are a lot that are definitely just like inside jokes, nonsensical things that he probably put in there. For one like, of them is hashtag iCarly. Yes. That's a pretty obvious one. Yeah, that's an Easter egg. And that one makes total sense to me. iCarly's supposed to be a huge web show in this universe so that that makes total sense to me lady goo goo is another one yeah lady goo goo that's is, just funny that's great that's that, just love great. that love that for them um, and hashtag ointment which is one of the words that dan schneider is fucking yeah, obsessed with using for some reason if you reason. ever watched a dan schneider show you know that there is a, a it's not necessarily a running gag but there's just a lot of mention of ointment yeah i guess it's just one of those things that like they thought kids would kind of find funny i don't really know how it lands but it makes me a little uncomfortable. Yeah, it's strange. If I think but about it too much. It's <laughs> one of those words that's just like funny and it sounds a little bit weird. And usually it means something like you put ointment on things that are a little bit embarrassing. Yeah. Like pimples or rashes or whatever. So I'm guessing that's why. But yeah, so Tori then tweets. Five days into helping Trina and Andre rehearse, Trina's driving me insane. And I can't tell if the tweets below it are replies to the tweet or other tweets or like both, but there's no cutoff in between. Yeah. Because I, I, I clocked the one below as a reply. And yeah. I think it's Andre replying LOL. Which is really funny. Or Andre responding. So his Twitter handle is Andre at the slap.com. Which is That's hilarious. Really, that is actually really funny. It's so, which I'm guessing it's like some sort of thing of like how you can like scent from something, you know? Like I'm guessing that that's in that universe. But anyway, it says Andre at the slap.com and it says, I hear ya. So it's clearly responding to Tori's tweet. Right. But then we have the tweets below it and we have one by Dan Schneider that's oh, like his, yeah, yeah, his yeah, yeah, at, yeah. which is Dan Warp. And it just says Robin Rocks with an X. And I don't know what that means. I think it's another inside joke. And then the tweet below that is by Hungry Girl, which I think is like an advertisement. Like it's a company in this universe because I've seen their their ads throughout the show, which we'll get to whenever we get to those. But it seems to be a brand that's parodying Skinny Girl by Bethany Frankel. Okay. That's my best guess on what it is. That makes a lot of sense. I didn't even clock that at all. Yeah. I could be wrong about it, but I think that it's parodying Skinny Girl. What is Skinny Girl? So Skinny Girl is Bethany Frankel's like low-calorie margarita mix Yes, brand. yes, 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 I do yeah. know this. It seems to be parodying that. And then there's a tweet from them, the brand, saying, cherry is a girl flavor, lime is a boy flavor. Who agrees? <laughs> That's actually hilarious. It's amazing. <laughs> and I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have the next scene. And Tori and Andre are out in the backyard, and Andre's on the phone with his grandmother, and when he gets off, he explains to Tori that she's coming to the showcase, and it's going to be the first time she left the house in six years, because she's afraid of everything. And these are the things that he lists. People, birds, rabbis, (laughs) bikinis, and breakfast foods. So... I don't know if it's just funny that it's a rabbi or if Andre's grandma is an anti-Semite. 
Yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't really think about the implications of that. I feel like the intention behind the joke was very much for it to be a little absurdist, but I feel like if you <laughs> if you take it on the nose, and I think there's a lot, if you take a lot of Andrea's grandmother's character on the nose, it is deeply disturbing, Yeah, as, so, as tends to be the case in this show. So we're skipping ahead a little bit, but I feel like it's it's better to explain now. There's never any mention of Andre's parents on this show. It is just his grandmother, and it seems to be that he is living just him and his grandmother, who seems to be either, like, senile or have some sort of mental issue, and he's just taking care of this woman by himself and is a minor. Yeah, it seems like he's, like, raised himself and, like, you know— is probably, like, putting himself through Hollywood arts by, like, gumption and talent alone. So, yeah, and then Tori's like, so if she saw a rabbi wearing a bikini eating pancakes, and Andre's like, the woman would be terrified. (laughs) Yeah, so then they go back into rehearse, and Trina is, as Taylor Swift would say, wearing a gown shaped like a pastry. Yep, that's a good way to describe (laughs) it. She's all dressed up, wearing a tiara, I think. Yeah, and, like, this, like, this, like, turquoise gown or like Tiffany blue gown and she starts singing and rehearsing. And this is where we find out that Trina is bad, 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 like terrible, like Like real bad, like tone deaf cannot sing at all. It's not even debatable. Like she's just not good at music. And then here we also find that Andre essentially did all the writing and Trina's like, no one cares who wrote the song, which is really funny. I know, I, I clocked that too. And then there's this there's this visual gag where Trina's singing so badly that Andre asks for aspirin and then Tori immediately, without skipping a single beat, just has a big fuck off bottle of aspirin Tori- and like pours like 15 of them into her hand and like drops them in front. Like, Tori like went to Costco and bought <laughs> aspirin and was like... I need to be prepared for my sister's terrible singing. Every once in a while in this show, there is a a piece of physical or visual comedy that's so funny. Mm -hmm. It's like way funnier than it has any right to be. Like the writing is really good in this show overall, but sometimes there's just these sight gags that are like, just absolutely floor me. And this is one of them where I was just like, that's like, it's just, I don't know. It just really got me. It's so silly. It's so silly. Okay. So then we get the next transition and Tori tweets, because it's still Twitter, ditching school, going to Trina's big showcase. And the tweets below it, the first one is by an account by a cat called Jaxi Cat, which says, more cat food, please, now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's literally a cat. Yeah, it's a cat. Tweeting. It, yeah, it's I wrote, I wrote in my notes, now this is comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's Grumpy Cat. This is the age of Grumpy it's Cat. True. You're forgetting about Grumpy Cat. No, that's a good, really and good point. And it makes sense. And then once again, we have Dan Warp, which said, hates blatant self-promotion. With a winky face. Hate the winky winky face. face. Yeah. And then another tweet from Andre at theslap.com, which says, my grandma is hiding under the bed. Why? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I feel so bad for this kid. Like, what the fuck? He really has to put up with so much. He is truly. Poor guy. Okay, so the next scene, they're at the showcase, and it's in an auditorium that I don't think we ever see again. I for literally the whole wrote in my show. notes, it's in an auditorium I don't think we ever see again. <laughs> <laughs> we just had the same exact thought. <laughs> we just, we never see it again. There's never, like, anytime that they have a showcase after this, and again, I'm jumping ahead, but anytime that they have a showcase after the pilot, it's outside in that, like, back patio area where they eat lunch. Or there, there's a black box theater. Or the black at, box at, theater. At, you know, that's clearly a set. Yeah. They must have just, it must have just been a production thing where for the show, they rented a large, because we haven't addressed this yet, but, you know, one thing that's talked about earlier in the episode is this Hollywood arts showcase 
is like a big deal. Like lots of executives and like labels and talent scouts and people from all over like Hollywood and the entertainment industry come to this Hollywood art showcase. Um, also, it's maybe worth saying that like I would say that the closest thing to this school that I personally know about having grown up in LA is a school called LOXA mm-hmm. that like a lot of people who are like now famous musicians went to. But they actively discourage people from the stories that I've heard. They actively discourage people from going to like work while they're in school. Like it's not a school for working actors and mm-hmm. I don't, or like working, working musicians or kids that are working in the industry. They're like, no, you are here to learn. Like you're not here to like get your credits while you work, which is really interesting to me that they're like, cause like they still have to go to school every day. Cause there are schools that, that are for working child actors right. that basically just say like, we're going to give you your marks and it's fine. And then you can like either like take the chest and chest be out or like get your GED or, or whatever. Like they're just going to give you your marks, but like, that's not what this school is. Sorry. So I'm just confused about why that's the thing. But anyway, I'm getting, I'm, I'm going, I'm going down too far of a rabbit hole. We can't think too much about this. <laughs> um, no, but that is, to be fair, that is the point of the show is us the, thinking way too much about this television true. program. It's extremely true. <laughs> yeah. If you want to hear us try to like make a lot of these plot holes fit together, um, continue listening to this show because we get really into the weeds <laughs> of this. Oh, it's going to, it's going to get wacky <laughs> if we, if we can keep this up. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, so we we get to the auditorium and then that's where we also meet Andre's grandmother, who is played by Marilyn Harris. And she like goes in behind Tori and sits down and Tori's like, oh, you must be Andre's grandmother. And Andre's grandmother freaks out and screams, I don't know you. And then like ducks, <laughs> like ducks under, under the a chair. chair yeah. yeah. This, is, this is our first look at Tori's parents. Right. David and Holly Vega. Yes. Played by Jim Peary and Jennifer Carta. Yeah. We don't see a ton of them in this episode, so we're not going to talk a ton about their characters, but yeah. they are here. Mm-hmm. Tori and Trina have parents, presumably. Yeah, they do. We we see them. So yeah, anyway, we hear Trina screaming from the auditorium, and the counselor, or like a teacher, goes to Tori and her parents and says, come with me. And they go backstage, and they see that Trina's tongue is super swollen because she had this Chinese herb gargle yeah. that was like supposed to help her sing better. So it was just like some sort of thing, like herb that she found online that she gargled and it gave her an allergic allergic reaction reaction to it. And her tongue is throbbing, which is another word that Dan Schneider loves to use. Yeah, they say they repeat the word throbbing a couple times for comedic effect. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they love they they generally love the word throbbing. Like if someone is hurt, they'll like they'll always be like, "Ooh, it's throbbing." Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, so Trina can't perform because her tongue could burst. And the teacher asks if anyone else knows Trina's part. And Andre goes, oh, Tori does. And she's like, no, I'm not doing it. And he's like, she said she'll do it. <laughs> Everyone starts cheering. Everyone starts cheering, yeah. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that. I'm obsessed with being like, no, I don't want to do this. Please don't fucking make me do this. And he goes, she said she'll she do said it. yes. And everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> she said yes. There's also a scene immediately following this where she kind of gets chased off stage yeah. by like about a hundred background actors. That's what I'm so, okay, I literally said that. I was like, she goes to get changed and all the background actors follow them out of the room, which was so funny to me because they were just like all like, yeah, and we're gonna now go help Tori change. Like, we don't know this person. Yeah, the back. This is another thing I love about Victorious. The background actors are always bringing it. They're like, putting in the they'll, work. Like, they'll throw in a face, especially in this episode. The background actors are 
are really serving in the best possible way. They're serving. They really are. (laughs) So, yeah, then they get Tori ready and they literally like push her on stage. Yeah. Like force her to get on stage. And surprise, surprise, she is deeply talented and a gifted singer somehow, despite like never actually singing. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense for the context of what the show is trying to do, but like in universe, she performs unreasonably well. Yeah. Like, Andre starts out really slow on the... I also love Andre starts playing it as a ballad, like, I guess, how they've been rehearsing. Mm-hmm. And then Tori makes a signal to him, like, we got to speed this thing up. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, there's, like, big, like, Max Martin production yeah. <laughs> and, like, very intricate choreography that Tori starts nailing. And, and it's, like... background vocals, and like a track, like a background track. Back, and Did I, you if, notice that with the harmonies? Yeah, and, well, there, there were two background singers yeah. on stage. And I just I I don't get oh, it. Oh yeah. So this this brings me to my and once again this is this is much more nitpicky than than ever should be applied to this show. But what is so funny to me about the level of production and this is true across all performances in Victoria's. But what's so funny about this one in particular is that there's background dancers. And if you think about that for a second, it's like are, were they rehearsing? Where they rehearsing independently, like Trina and Andre have been rehearsing alone yeah, in the I Vega household. And presumably the dancers and the band and the background singers were just rehearsing in a warehouse somewhere. Like Rihanna's dancers yeah. were rehearsing with someone else for a while before they got to get in and actually yeah. do the Super Bowl thing with I, her. I like, don't get it. But also like they wouldn't do this dance. They're like doing like a fast paced freestyle type of dance. They wouldn't be doing that if... Trina was performing because <laughs> like Trina's supposed to be singing a ballad and yeah. Tori's like I want it like she like motions to Andre to speed it up yeah, exactly it makes no sense it makes no it, sense it literally is so silly you literally can't think about it too much or else it falls apart but anyway the song that they sing it becomes the theme song for the show mm-hmm. and it's called make it shine and make it shine was written by Dr. Luke it was written by <laughs> an absolute power trio of I'm going to say allegedly fucked up people. It was written by Dan Schneider, Michael Kokorin, who we will talk more about later, also known as Backhouse Mike, Elizabeth Gilley's current husband, and Dr. Luke, which is really just, ooh, it's a real who's who of like guys that I just don't feel great about as songwriters and people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's just, ooh, it's a tough one. It's a really it's a tough real, one. It's a real yikers on, on those three guys being the one to write this theme song. So, yeah, and then the curtain closes and the principal basically comes up to Tori and is Which, like... Which, two okay. things on that. Yeah. The curtain closes. Think about that for a second. Does that mean Trina Vega was supposed to close the Hollywood Arts Showcase? I don't think so. I think that there's just... So why did the curtain close? I think that in between the acts, they just changed the set for what they need. Because, like, maybe the next act was, like, not, like, a singer. And so, like, there didn't need to be a band there. Maybe. I guess that's fair. But also, based on how the scene progresses, I think otherwise. That's fair. Because the principal comes out... Mr. So, yeah. Eichner, who so, we don't see a ton of in the show. No, he he appears a couple more times, but yeah. we don't see him very much more. And then, so the principal comes to her and is like, who are you? And she's like, I'm Tori Vega. And he's like, you don't go here? And she's like, no. And he's like, do you want to? <laughs> Just and offers a spot to the school immediately. Immediately. And then she asks, what if she's not good enough? Which is a dumb question because doesn't <laughs> your sister, who was famously bad, go there? <laughs> right. But if that's a whole theme in this episode is Tori being like, what if I don't belong? I'm just a regular girl who does science projects. So I'm like, I, like, I understand. Like, the school I know in universe is supposed to be prestigious and all the kids are crazy talented and whatever. But, like, she still knows that her sister goes there. Yeah. She knows that, like, it's hard, but it can't be 
that hard to get in because yeah, her sister got in. No, it's very silly. And then so so she says, what if I'm not good enough? And then the most funny thing happens to me. <laughs> so Andre opens the curtain back up. Yeah. And he's like, clap if you think Tori should go to Hollywood. He's like, this girl doesn't think she's good enough. Yeah. What do you think? And then this full auditorium of like parents and like heavy hitting entertainment like executives of like this is a big auditorium too it's very like a lot of people yeah or just i love i also love the implication that they were just kind of waiting like while the curtain was closed while all this stuff was happening backstage yeah. and the audience was just like mm, what's gonna happen yeah exactly <laughs> and so yeah she's like all right so you know she's like okay i'll go um so then we get the next transition ah uh, yeah and this is the first time we see the slap yeah tori is immediately on the school's website. Mm. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff that gets skipped over with her, like actually, yeah, her administrator, yeah, leaving her other school, going to going to her normal, stupid, boring person school, and being like, "Bye, suckers." I'm like, sure that they didn't want to watch, have us watch like days of onboarding. Yeah, for no, I mean obviously, <laughs> where she just like goes into Hollywood Arts and they're like, "And here's your locker, and like this is your locker number, and this is the combination." And these are the classes that you have, and right. like just no, like yeah. really boring no, we don't, stuff that we they make us we, we don't need to see that. But <laughs> imagine, imagine they take us through it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd, at this point, I'd watch it. Yeah. Like at, at this point, I'd I would I would. I need to know every detail about this school and <laughs> the way that it functions. Honestly. So yeah, so then we get the next transition, and it's her first post on the slap, which is my first day at Hollywood Arts. Epic! With a bunch of exclamation points. Oh yeah, this is the, another very important component of the slap mobile posts, that they all have a, you know, like a tweet, and then they have a box in the bottom that says mood, colon, and then a, a like, mood that follows the... I yeah. think Facebook kind of used to do that, actually. Yeah, they did. So there's always, like, a sentiment, and then there's, like, a mood. So the mood for this post was... Freaking. Freaking. And you can put a little emoji back. Yeah, there's it, often so a little emoji emojis. to accompany it as um, well. Another thing is the slap used to be an actual website you could go to where there would be like bonus videos and posts and stuff, but it was deactivated in 2018 when Creepo Schneids left Nickelodeon. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I would love to go back and play some Victorious video games. Okay, so the next scene, they walk into the entrance of Hollywood Arts. Our first look at the school. Right. The first look of the interior of the school. Y yeah. And um, you basically see a bunch of blockers that are all designed to be really cool and like clearly are like student-made, fitting everyone's personality. And then there's kids banging on buckets. Yeah, living the um, dream. Literally living the dream. It's like this fantasy of kids playing music in the hallways, which like as a teenager, I thought that was like so cool. Like, oh, it same. really, It absolutely like... What they were trying to accomplish with the silly background shenanigans of Hollywood arts totally worked on me. I was yeah. like, that's so cool. And then, like, that's kind of sort of how it is at Berkeley. And you realize real quick it's not as charming as it looks on TV. Like, no, definitely like people, not. Like, walking around with saxophones and banjos and, like, drumming in the hallway. Like, it's cute charitably once. Yeah. And then it's like, I have to get to class. Why are you doing backflips in exactly. the hallway? Like, it's not cool. Yeah. It's, like, it's, like, really annoying in real life, <laughs> at least from my experience. But it, as a kid, I was like, that's amazing. Like, everyone's so creative. Like, it's so fun. So, yeah, there's, like, you know, like, cool lockers. Someone's playing a guitar. People are banking on buckets and stuff like that they walk in and Tori again is like what if I'm not good enough and Trina's like you're fine you're not alone I got your back whatever mm -hmm. and then some girl comes up to her and is like this guy got his hair straightened so she freaks, <laughs> she freaks out and freaks runs out off and leaves. yeah and then 
Oh, drum roll, drum roll please, because <laughs> this is about to change your life. <laughs> I think this moment changed all of our lives. <laughs> I, I agree. When when this happened, I was not the same person. No, afterwards, none of the society just wasn't. We have. Cat Valentine. Enter Cat Valentine. Played by our favorite redheaded young stock Italian girl, Ariana, Ariana Grande. Grande. We see a young, adorable, adorable, <laughs> curly haired, curly haired Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. Um, and she plays Cat Valentine and she has this like really cute, like red hair that's kind of like red velvet cupcake mm-hmm. colored. And, you know, Tori walks up to her to ask her what to do. And Kat's like, oh, my God, you're Tori, right? You were so awesome in the showcase. That's her first line. Yeah. Oh, also, another thing to state is that in the pilot, Kat's hair is curly. And we pretty much, I think we've, since this moment, we have never again seen Ariana Grande with curly hair, ever. I don't think she has a curly ever. I think they straighten it from here on out. So, yeah. And then Tori walks up to her and Kat's like, oh, my God, you're Tori, right? You were so awesome in the big showcase. And she says her name's Kat. And Tori says, oh, like the animal. And she very iconically says, what's What's that that supposed to mean? mean? Which, roll credits. Roll credits. Um, It's the title of our show. (laughs) It's the title of our show, which we named after her. Quick, quick history about that phrase. It did not appear on Victoria's for the first time. They tried to use it a lot on... The Amanda Show. On the Amanda Show. It's been it a, a thing it was, for a it while. Was a, it was a running gag on The Amanda Show. Yeah. For people who, like, haven't seen the show or don't remember, they really change Kat's character all over the seasons. She's kind of like a ditzy, sweet, innocent girl all throughout mm-hmm. the show. But in the first season, she has, like, all this dimension in her character and a personality. And she's, like, kind of flirty. Mm-hmm. Um, There's and a lot to talk about with Kat. Yeah. And also, I don't know if this is offensive. She's, like, kind of bipolar in the no, first episode. No, I, I was going to talk about this a lot she's canonically bipolar yeah it's i was i was so shocked because like i've seen people do that analysis of like oh cat's bipolar in this you know in granted a kind of cartoonish way but there's multiple references including one in this episode where they say the word bipolar yeah but i don't know if they mean that as actually bipolar like like bipolar disorder or if they mean that like but they still say it like they still like there's multiple times where cat is referenced as being bipolar which yeah it's probably not like they're not diagnosing her outright but it is it is still an adjective that applies to her character it is that kind of then gets shaved off Mm -hmm. as her character gets kind of less and less interesting over the the run of the show but very like the joke they're trying to pull off right here in the pilot is She's super, super happy, clappy, and then says someone says something to tick her off, and then she's immediate mood switch. Which, yeah. for the record, not how bipolar disorder work. Full disclosure: I am diagnosed with bipolar <laughs> disorder. Granted, there are two kinds of bipolar, and they're they're one, the other one that I am not. I think is more prone to quicker mood swings, but that's on this time span of like a day or days, right? But like. That's not really how it works. Yeah. But, like, I get for the purpose of a children's television show that, like, yeah. that's a funny gag yeah. to, like, have it have her, like, switch between moods on a dime. Like, that's, yeah. a, that's an, in and of itself an interesting character gag. So, yeah, Kat just kind of, like, walks off before Tori could actually ask her question. <laughs> and then next, Tori approaches this guy who's, like, kind of nerdy looking with curly hair and glasses. And his name is Robbie Shapiro, who is played by Matt Bennett, who we love. And Great guy. Great. And he's holding a puppet who we find out's name is Rex. And did seeing Rex in the pilot also genuinely give you a jump scare? (laughs) Kind of, yeah. He looks so different. So Robbie basically walks around with a puppet who has its own personality, who 
is also in appearance either mixed race or definitely not white. Definitely not a white. This person. puppet is not. It is a white. puppet of color. <laughs> it's a puppet of color. I literally also wrote puppet of color <laughs> in my notes. <laughs> he's a puppet of color. Yeah, he's he's a puppet of color, and uh, he has like a black scent. Yeah, which <laughs> we we will get more into this, but. To long story short, Robbie and this puppet Rex have this complicated relationship, and it's kind of like Jeff Dunham. Like Rex looks like a Jeff Dunham puppet. He's kind of like a Jeff Dunham puppet, kind of like a Jeff Dunham character. Part yeah. of the shtick is that Rex is mean to Robbie, mean to Robbie, and like cooler than Robbie, and is always kind of negging him. Yeah, it's like, a very it's an interesting relationship. Like it feels very much like. Robbie is using Rex as almost a form of therapy. Yeah. You know, to like, Robbie has trouble socializing, mm-hmm. especially with women. In fact, that leads me to his first line when he sees Tori mm-hmm. is, hey, hello. And then under his breath, female, yes. <laughs> Which, of course, Robbie is the kind of kid who, you know, who would say female. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's such a, like, that is, that is very accurate characterization. Extremely true. So she asks where Psychowitz's class is, who's the teacher whose class she has to go to. And Rex tells her, Rex tells her right. <laughs> the directions. And she walks away and Rex goes, whatever it takes, cupcake. And that's because, and we'll get to see this more later, Rex is like kind of a creep. <laughs> oh, yeah, very much so. I mean, Robbie is also a creep, but Rex is like a dog. Like Rex yeah. is like. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like fuckboy versus like incel kind of like Robbie's yeah. not fully an incel he's still like yeah. sweet and like he's not like an asshole obviously mm-hmm. but like it's kind of the, like the two halves of like shitty guy it is it really is <laughs> well anyway so then Tori gets to the classroom and runs into Beck Oliver who was played by Yvonne Jogia oh, the hottest man just in the, the hottest world. man alive um and they have the classic meet cute where she spills coffee on him and like, you know, she's like helping clean him up and they're making googly eyes at each other and whatever. Oh, yeah. What is Beck's first line? Beck's first line is not very interesting. He just says, oh, hey. And then he gets coffee spilled on him and then he's like, it's cool. Yeah. That's it. You know, it's just cool. you're just reacting yeah. to the situation. So they're making googly eyes at each other other no very much like there's chemistry yeah immediately off the bat they're like setting it up they're yeah. like these characters could fuck could fuck. but it's a nickelodeon show so they but can't. like that's but know, it's implied it's very heavy and then, then the hottest the hottest girl we've ever seen the hottest in girl the we've world, ever seen in possibly, who she's a hot goth gf with streaks in her hair and in, and it, a eyebrow piercing walks in and we meet jade west jade who west. is beck's girlfriend who is played by Liz Gillies, who is amazing and we love her. And she is now on Dynasty, Mm -hmm. which is the reboot of the soap opera Dynasty. So Jade walks in and what is Jade's first line? I think I know her first line. (laughs) Jade's first line is, dude, why are you rubbing my boyfriend? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I actually (laughs) have that one written down. Which is the perfect first line for Jade. And she's like, get away from him. And Beck's like, relax. And then Mr. Psychowitz, played by Eric Lange, runs in and screams, there's a fire. And everyone starts freaking out. (laughs) But then he's like, LOL, just kidding. Just wanted to get your blood pumping, whatever. And then he like introduces Tori and he reveals that Tori gave him $2 outside. (laughs) She thought he was homeless. (laughs) Andre's like, why did you give him money? And she's like, I thought he was homeless. homeless. 
which is so like woods is like barefoot he like is kind of like a hippie vibe mm-hmm. and he's a high school theater teacher yeah like he's an eccentric high school theater teacher right exactly i also um, i also wanted to point out in this episode at the top of the whiteboard is written in marker improv is like a fine cheese but not really, which I love. I just think I'm that's obsessed. hilarious. It's so good. And then below is it written improv in big letters so Psychowitz can point to it later. Yeah. So yeah, they're doing improv and Psychowitz asks Jade to pick who's going to do improv with her. And she picks Kat, some guy named Eli. <laughs> Eli, who, our boy Eli. Who we, we never literally see Eli never again. See again. He, I don't think he even has any lines. He does have a line and oh. we'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> and she picks Kat, some guy named Eli, who we never see again. Beck and Tori. I put Tori threatening in parentheses because like she picks Tori to fuck with her. Yeah, clearly. We know that some shit's about to go down. So Psychoist asks for a place and Robbie says home (laughs) and he asks for a situation and Andre says big news. Big news. And Psychowitz goes, Andre, nobody wants to see big nudes. (laughs) But he says, like he says nudes, which is so crazy to me. Yeah, it's interesting that, that he that said flies. like Nickelodeon let him get away with saying nudes on on TV. Yeah, and it even says in the subtitles nudes. No, it's nudes. Like I, it I is re- it is undoubtedly yeah. nudes, which is yeah, that's a pretty racy joke. For, yeah. for a Nickelodeon show. Yeah, it's really interesting. And Andre like clarifies and goes nudes, and Segwitz is like, oh, that's different. Okay, <laughs> and. So Jade asks Tori to go out and wait in the hall, which like Psychowitz should have clocked and been like, no, you shouldn't do that. Because the point of improv isn't that they're supposed to like, it, it defeats the purpose of improv yeah, to Jade be like, I have a plan. Teeing her up to fuck with her. But you know, but Psychowitz anyway. is also a little mischief maker. So he probably like. Yeah, that's true. He's probably like, ooh, what's this like, going to be? He's like, ooh, gonna what's be? this going to be? Yeah. So they do this scene and basically it's that Beck and Jade are a married couple and Kat and Eli are their kids. Beck's character walks in and says, I just got fired. And then our boy Eli comes in with an absolute heater of a joke and goes in a funny voice again. Oh my God. <laughs> Which I yes. absolutely lost it at. That's the only thing Eli says, but like I respect him. I'm like, that is that is improv and that is good. Like that, like he 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 understood the assignment. He had the funny voice, he had the one-line joke. Eli deserved better. Little known fact, the actor that plays Eli actually won an Emmy for his performance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's actually an EGOT winner just from this one scene. All four victorious. All academies were like, nope, this was it. They made, the Oscars made a new category. (laughs) Again? I I literally laughed out loud when when this happened in the episode. (laughs) He won Best New Artist at the Grammys. (laughs) Thank you, Eli, for your contribution. <laughs> Thank you. You really to art. <laughs> yes. So yeah, then Jade says she got them a new dog who is Tori, but the dog has bugs in its fur. So Jade says that she read on the internet that coffee works great on getting rid of bugs, and she grabs coffee and spills it all over Tori and says the iconic line, What's the prob? Dog is yeah. how she says it. Which became a TikTok song. Yeah, sound, it like, became really popular like, on TikTok. Really popular on TikTok yeah. later as people um, went back. It's a pretty iconic line. I love the, I no, love the way great. that she delivers it's, it. No, I mean, she's she absolutely crushes every interaction in this episode. Yeah. I wrote Tori, at this point, Tori leaves to the main hall mm-hmm. and there's just a girl dead ass just doing a handstand and spinning around <laughs> in the hallway. <laughs> which is another that. piece of Hollywood art shenanigans. Like, she even she even almost knocks Tori over at one point. She, like, notices it. But it's just, like, I love the the 
all of the hilarious ways that they like try to characterize the school. Like, yeah, so there's just a girl doing a handstand and like walking and like turning on her hands yeah. as she's doing this handstand so just funny. in the hallway. So Andre finds her in the main part of the school, like where handstand girl is. And she says she wants to go back to her old school because she doesn't like having black coffee in her hair. And Andre goes, then I'll get you some cream and sugar. Everything will be a chill. <laughs> great <laughs> Which joke. is great. It's just such clean, a good joke. Clean humor. Uh-huh. Oh, so, I was also oh, yeah, going to say... The, in as she's listing reasons why she doesn't fit in at right. the school, she's like, there's all this crazy stuff at the school. There's like, I forget, I didn't write down a list, but one of the things she lists is bipolar cats. Right, I, I clocked that too. Yeah, so there's there's like, here's the actual reference in the episode mm-hmm. to, you know, cat being bipolar. Yeah, then Robbie comes back with Rex, and once again, Rex says, Psychowitz wants them back in class. And then Robbie goes to Rex and he's like, he said, I should tell them. And then they start fighting. So basically, Robbie is just fighting with himself, which, you know. And Robbie says to Rex, you're a demon. Yeah, right. Which is, I think, an interesting theory. <laughs> it is. It is an interesting theory. Then Kat comes in and she's like, you know, Psychowitz really wants everybody back in class. And then Rex is like, and you wanted a date to the prom last year, but you didn't get one. And Kat is like, tell your puppet to stop being so mean. <laughs> To me and Robbie goes don't call him a puppet that's an offensive term <laughs> there's a joke later in the show where I think they they double down on it and they're puppet like being offensive on, on puppet being offensive but then Rex says like oh it's okay if I say it right I so can't. they're really kind of playing it off as this like racial slur joke yeah, which is you know further adds to the yeah the questionable politics of this of this bit also I wrote down in my notes that you can really see Ariana's Broadway training here because, like, just the way that she, like, walks off of screen feels uh-huh. like she's That's on, true. you know? That's very true. I it also- feels very Broadway. Yeah, so basically, Andre's like, you're so special. You need to be at the school. And he ends it by saying, normal's boring. Right. And he leaves, and Tori's, like, by the lockers. And then Kat comes back, and she's like, it's true. <laughs> and Tori's like, what, that normal's boring? And she's like, no, that no one asked me to the prom. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, so then we have our next transition where Tori posts worst day ever going home and her mood is wrecked. Absolutely wrecked. Yeah. And so <laughs> I then, love this next shot. Yeah, okay. So then they're back home and Tori's like watching her performance on the slap and Trina and, and her- the audio is completely different. Right. And she's watching her performance in the slap and it's not like she's singing in the video, yeah. but there's no vocals in the audio and it's a totally different sonic palette it's to what we heard in the actual performance. Yeah. So the Tori's watching her performance that's uploaded to the slap with the wrong audio. Yeah. And her and Trina kind of have a heart to heart where Trina's like, I think you should come back. And Tori's like, why? And Trina's like, so I won't be known as the girl with a lame little sister who could on her first day. But she's also like, that was like, you know, she's you're really you were really great in the big showcase and whatever. I know. I I, I found sweet. that really I found it really touching. Mm-hmm. I also thought it was very it was a, a level of humility. And compassion and dimension to Trina that we don't really see until a lot later in the yeah. show. Like, I can't imagine Trina in the rest of season one and two earnestly saying to Tori that she's talented. Yeah. Like, she almost never does. Like, yeah. she's her whole shtick is that she thinks she's talented and doesn't respect anyone else. Yeah. It was it was kind of nice to see that like there is this kind of sisterly affection where she's yeah. like no you're like you should do this because you're good yeah it like, was there very is sweet. a really like there's a there's heart to that moment mm-hmm. totally yeah and then we get another transition from that scene 
And it's on desktop. It this is. Time. This is the first time we see the slap on a desktop. The last couple of times screen. it's been on on a mobile phone, which is most of how we see these scene transitions is on mobile phones. I'm guessing that they were just trying something. Yeah, yeah, they're just trying stuff out. So they did it um, on desktop as well. Yeah. So there's like kind of a like you know this like weird like change of the way that they post, which is basically like she's saying like Tori Vega is feeling conflicted. Right. The mood thingy is still there, even though she said she just said how she was feeling, and right. she says lost. That, that's her mood. Her mood is lost. So yeah, Tori comes back the next day and everyone's very surprised and Beck looks very happy, <laughs> which... Yeah. Hmm. Mm, yeah, much... <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, and then this is like, again, like, I understand, like, Jade was being a bitch. I, I totally get it. But also, like, clearly... She like again. She's not delusional. Like yeah. there is something there. Her her anger is misplaced, but also like it's not like she's just like like no, there's nothing not. happening. Like no, she it, she has a right to be angry. It's just that she's it, she's angry at the wrong person. But yeah, kind of. And also, I mean, yeah, there's plenty of situations later in the show where like it sets up Jade being overly jealous and Beck being in the right. Yeah, like that is a d- dynamic that persists throughout their relationship. This isn't one of those situations, and yeah. we will we will obviously get to it as we close this episode out. But yeah, yeah. like Jade is completely justified in being as angry as she is in yeah. the situation. I think it's just misplaced, but yeah. yeah. And also, we get this funny little Psychowitz joke where Tori walks into class, and Psychowitz is like, "Have you ever thought about coming in through the window?" Oh yeah, and she's like, "No," and he's like, "Well, think about it." Yeah, <laughs> which I just love. It's just like it, it's it. such a, a classic, like whimsical Psychowitz line. Yeah, and then they do alphabetical improv, where basically it's like you have a conversation where the first words of each sentence from someone are in alphabetical order. So, like for example, the example that they give in the show is like Beck says, "Apples are falling out of my butt," and Andre says, "Bring those apples so that we may all enjoy the fruit coming from Beck's butt." And someone, Incredible. the next person would say a line that starts with C and yeah. so on and so forth. So Psychowitz asks Tori to lead the group and she picks Andre, Kat, Beck, and Jade. Which I also, really snubbed our, our boy Eli. Our boy Eli. <laughs> our boy Eli got nothing. Oh my God. <laughs> Just sometimes, sometimes like they're too good. That's yeah. the thing is like, sometimes like actor, <laughs> like it's like that would be too obvious to pick Eli, you know? <laughs> and of course, Jade kisses Beck on her way to the stage and Psychowitz is like, Very kiss. passive aggressively. Yeah. And Psychowitz is like, kiss your boyfriend on your own time. And she's like, oh, I will. Oh, I will. Looks like, what is that supposed to I mean? I know there's a lot, of, there's a lot of pseudo sexual implications in this show because yeah. it is like an older they're teenagers they're in high school they're you know like realistically like beck and jade are fucking like mm, yeah like at that at that age with the, how long they've been together like yeah. it's you know in real life like yeah. they're, they're theater kids like totally. they're, they're horny they're fucking like, yeah totally and there's For a sure. lot you know obviously the show doesn't explicitly go into it but like there's a lot of Heavy implications around stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, lots they get of innuendo. For laugh, lot, lot of innuendo that gets played for laughs. Right. Yeah, totally. So then basically, uh, I won't go through the whole scene, but Kat gets out first because she skipped a letter. And she's sad, but Psychowitz gives her candy. And she's like, yay, candy. Yeah, and it's another bipolar in. bit where she's yeah. like, oh, my life's the worst. And then Psychowitz gives her candy. She's like, oh, my God, candy. I love yeah, candy. Exactly. So then basically in the scene, Beck says that he's an alien and then passes out because he can't breathe human air. And Jade and Tori fight in alphabetical order for a while. And then Jade loses and gets out. I love Um, that the line that gets her out is eat your pants. Yeah. Like they say so much more harrowing shit to each other in this interaction 
and then it's eat your pants that finally breaks Jade, yeah. which is, I mean, obviously she eat had to break pants. at some point. Yeah. She's like, you eat your pants. Yeah. Yeah. And then also in this scene, you could see Liz's Broadway training, I, I wrote. Oh, I feel like like the so. way that she's like walking out, like again, like both her and our because um, Liz and Ariana first met because they were in the Broadway production of Thirteen, mm-hmm. and they they're very like broad they're Broadway trained yeah. actresses, child and, Broadway actors, yeah, and, and they've been best friends since they were kids because they've just booked a bunch of the same jobs, yeah. So then Beck gets back up, and the scene ends where she's like, "I know what'll like make you feel better, a, a kiss," and he's like, "Let's do it." Yeah, and she's then, like, "Kiss me," yeah, and then he just does, and then they just make and out. In front of Jay, literally, like Beck makes out with this stranger, yeah, because he's like, well, I might as well, and he's not hesitant about it at all. Not even though, doesn't even like, yeah, it doesn't think about it for a second. He's just like, oh, okay, even fine. though he clearly knows that like this isn't a thing where like it's for the scene and it makes sense. It's like very much to get back at his girlfriend, and he's like, yup, let's do it. Yeah, I which I mean, you know. Their relationship is very interesting and yeah. very toxic and very nuanced. Yeah. But like this is definitely the first nail in the coffin of like, what is going on with yeah. these two? It's so strange. And so yeah, they do. And then Tori, like the Beck says, let's do it. And then Tori says, Man, I love this school. I know. No, I love there's two there's two moments in here that I want to highlight, which are when Tori gets the better of Jade, there's like this little canned audience cheer. Everyone's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. When, yeah, yeah. when, when Jade gets out, which I just think is hilarious. And then when Beck kisses Tori. Everyone starts clapping. Yeah, <laughs> like it just everyone starts cheering. It's like this great win. It's the 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 it's the button at the end of this episode. It's just Tori going, "Man, I love this school." As she just kissed someone else's boyfriend, and everyone starts cheering for her because I guess <laughs> Jade is kind of aggressive. But like, yeah. it's like the tone of this ending felt very weird to me. Yeah, it was very strange. Because then the credits start rolling, and you're like, "Wait, that's it? Like that's yeah. how they're closing out this." This, yeah. this scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we get a tag that's basically an ad for the slap where there are photos and games and stuff like that. And according to Tori, videos that might get certain people in trouble. Oh, yeah, I forgot which, about that. What is that yeah, what supposed is, to mean? Like, I think it's just one of those jokes. Like, there's a lot of that joke, I think, in I think in sitcoms in general. I feel like it's just a, a clean joke to be like, to imply like this thing is really scandalous and you you have to fill in the blanks with your imagination because the thing you're filling in in your imagination is worse than what is it worse than any concrete thing they can have you think about the thing yeah yeah it's like any concrete answer to that question kind of ruins the joke like the yeah. joke is that it's like mm, something is or the joke's just not allowed on tv in yeah general, exactly so. no exactly there's one joke in this credit sequence which is a clip of psychowitz on the slap saying that lobsters freak him out which is just a throwaway joke, but it will come back <laughs> oh, in yeah, a very real true. way. That's true. Wait, that's really, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. We but. will get to that in like, I don't know, like six months. Because yeah. that, that, it'll come back in like season three. Yeah, but, <laughs> totally. Uh, I clocked it because I was like, oh, there's a thing with the lobster later. There yeah. really is. Mm-hmm. There's a whole thing with the lobster. Yep. There is. That's true. <laughs> anyway, sorry. all right. I think that's it. I think that's it for the. Uh, that's that is that is a wrap on the on the pilot of Victorious. Yeah. How do you feel after watching the pilot for the first time? What are your takeaways? Yeah, I think it was a decent pilot. It sets up everything it needs to. You know, mm-hmm. it sets up Tori Vega as this undeniable star in the universe. Yeah. And introduces us to this colorful cast of characters and a pretty clean... I mean, it's they really only have 13 minutes. Like, the first 13 minutes is, like, set up to get us to the performance. And then they really have about, like, really 10 minutes to, like, give us 
Robbie, Cat, Jade, Beck, Psychowitz, and Rex. Right. Which is a lot of info, and I think it's presented pretty cleanly. You know, it's, it was a fun time. Yeah. I haven't watched the pilot in a really long time. So it was cool. It was cool to go back and see where see where it started and yeah, see some of the things that they probably set up to be bigger than they were. Um yeah. What do you have any other thoughts on the pilot? Yeah, like mostly that just that like it was a pretty good pilot, all things considered. Yeah. Which also does make sense because it was clearly something that Nickelodeon like specifically asked Dan Schneider to do. They he was like like they were like make this show that's about kids singing and dancing and like being creatives and Mm -hmm. he like clearly wanted victoria justice to like be the main person it was kind of created around and it was also his fifth nickelodeon show he's clearly working with a lot of the same people and production designers like the dan schneider nickelodeon aesthetic was like a well-oiled machine at that point so like it it really shows that like there's there's a a polish to like the way that kind of show is produced totally yeah yeah, that's basically it. I'm really excited to get into the series and actually get through every little detail because Noah can attest we talk a lot about <laughs> the little tiny details and little plot points that we don't quite understand and go down a bunch of rabbit holes. So if you're also down to go down these rabbit holes with us, keep listening and we'll have new episodes for you. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again soon for the next episode, The Bird Scene. The Bird Scene. (laughs) All right. Bye, guys. Make it shine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, once again, feeling lost, but now and then I breathe it in to let it go. And you don't know where you are now. What it would come to if only somebody could hear And you figure out how You're lost in the moment you disappear You don't have to be afraid to put your dream in action You're never gonna fade, you'll be the main attraction Not a fantasy, just remember me When it turns out right Cause you know that if you live in your imagination Tomorrow you'll be everybody's fascination In the victory, just remember me When I make you shine Reaching high, feeling low I'm holding on, but letting go I'd like to shine, I'll shine for you it's time to show the world how it's a little bit closer as long as I'm ready to go. All we have is right now, as long as you feel it inside. You know, you don't have to be afraid to put your dream in action. You're never gonna fade, you'll be the main attraction. Not a fantasy, just remember me. Cause you know that if you live in your imagination Tomorrow you'll be everybody's fascination In the victory, just remember me When I make you shine Everyone can tell you how It's all been said and done Harder times will change your mind 
Fascination in my victory. Just remember me. 